one team has a fork, a cup, and a bowl, while the other team has nothing. This is Ralph Amson with the Devil's Junkie Podcast, and this is The Road Back from Tucson. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Believe it or not, Arizona State is the 2018 holder of the Territorial Cup after a 41-40 victory in which the Sun Devils score 20 straight points in the fourth quarter. Um, I... I'm still a little bit confused about what I just saw. Uh, I'm a little bit confused about what I just saw, and I'm a little bit confused that uh, uh, my my GPS seems to be uh, being compensated by the Tucson Board of Tourism and wants to take me past every single uh, check cashing joint in this entire uh, Pueblo. So um, uh, we're, we're on the road as as usual coming back from, from road games. This is the typical format. Uh, so if it sounds like I am behind the wheel of my car while recording, I am. Don't worry about it. I'm being safe. We are good to go. So let's get into this game, a game that saw a little bit of a scuffle between Arizona State and Arizona before the game. Not really sure who started it. Uh, I, I actually, heading into this game, I was a little bit worried that this game didn't have a whole lot of juice. You've got a new head coach in Kevin Sumlin at University of Arizona. You got a new head coach in Herm Edwards at Arizona State University. How invested are they into the idea of manufacturing some of this vitriol that comes with a the the Territorial Cup game when you have so many new players who are are uh, contributors uh, to Arizona State? You know, obviously University of Arizona. They're playing for a bowl game. They're playing to get back the cup. They're playing in front of their home fans for their seniors. They've got a lot to play for, but if you're Arizona State and even keeled Herm Edwards, you know, what have you got really to get jacked up about? Um, You know, you currently hold the Territorial Cup. You know you're going to a bowl game, but you don't have a shot at the Pac-12 South. Uh, Championship and I mean, there's you. You obviously want to win this game. If you're a fan, I felt like if you were a fan, you're much more invested in the Territorial Cup um, this year with this current crop of players. Just because you didn't. I mean, in the day and age of social media, stuff leaks out, right? Uh, Tony Fields, at least at the beginning of the week, tweeted just "scum" with an exclamation point, and that's how you knew it was really on from their side. Um, but uh, you know, there's a little bit of a scuffle before the game. And then, uh, you know, you see a couple of, you know, things get chippy throughout the game between some players, as as it usually, you know, is wont to do. But, you know, after the game, Manny Wilkins made sure that Arizona State had the last word after the 41-40 win. When uh, in, in the media room, given interviews, he was very clear about how he feels about University of Arizona 
he said that, you know, in the pregame scrum, you had some coaches talking trash to Arizona State players. He called that soft behavior and, uh, and, and the behavior of a loser team with a loser attitude. And he made very sure to hammer home over and over again that this team is doing nothing for the rest of the season. They got no bowl to go to. They've got no bowl practices. They just have to sit and sulk that they blew this lead um, and ultimately lost to Arizona State. So let's talk a little bit about how we got to 41-40. University of Arizona just uh, came out with a better game plan, and essentially they dominated this game for three quarters. They did seem to let off the gas at the end of the game, and I think that any team who is leading, and <laughs> my Uber driver after the game taking me out to where I to where I parked my car, he, he put it very, very um, eloquently when he said, uh, he, he was very frustrated as a U of A fan, he's frustrated, he said that U of A football pulled a Lute Olsen today by trying to change the tempo of the game with a lead. And he said, if, if you rode the rhythm of the game to your success, why change the rhythm? If you're losing, you got to change something. If you're winning, you go with what got you there. And uh, I mean, why even have a podcast when my Uber driver is spitting out that kind of wisdom? Thank you, Robert. Uh, but he's right. I mean, University of Arizona was in a situation where, you know, they're up 19 points in the fourth quarter. And you could tell palpably they let off the gas. They changed up their play calling. Up until that point, um, while special teams was definitely a major issue for Arizona State today, and and University of Arizona just dominated Arizona State as far as special teams go, offensively, in the second half, you saw University of Arizona opening massive running lanes, playing with tempo. You saw Khalil Tate in the first half, especially, making lots of plays with his feet. And whoa, if you have not had a chance to see Khalil Tate play in person, you know, take the take the rivalry hate week uh, goggles off for just a second. Which I mean, it's easier to do now that you're 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 celebrating a win. You have to admit, some of the things that Khalil Tate is able to do are just mind. Bending, um, you, you know, you take away the fact that he rushed for 1,400 yards last year in two thirds of a season, and you bring him into this year under Noel Mazzoni, the offensive coordinator who used to be at Arizona State. And they want to make him into more of a pocket passer. And then he sort of forced even more into that role when he busts his foot up against Houston earlier in the year. He's even, you know, he missed entire games this year. But he he has slowly morphed into a dependable, for the most part, pocket passer who creates the world's largest pocket by uh, moving laterally with incredible quickness, always keeping his eyes downfield. You know, we've talked about one of Manny Wilkins. If one of Manny Wilkins' greatest weaknesses is not being able to throw on the run uh, when he gets out and he's scrambling, I, I, all that talent somehow slipped into Khalil Tate because uh, no, I've I've not seen anybody, uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers, who is better at getting out on the move and letting the ball go off their back foot or while going out of bounds. And once University of Arizona changed the pace of the game, you know the the pace that they used to dominate to go up forty to twenty one. 
But once they started running the ball up the middle to try to take time off the clock, you start to feel the momentum start to shift. And University of Arizona gave Arizona State that momentum. And then they turn around and they give Arizona State two extra possessions with Khalil Tate being irresponsible and not just throwing the ball away or or dropping to the ground for a sack. Uh, and he ends up throwing an interception to Ashari Crosswell. And then you have uh, Tyler Johnson falling on a on a fumble on a on a messed up exchange between Tate and, and JJ Taylor, and ASU. You know they were given two gifts. Well, they unwrapped both of those gifts and they they put points on the board every single time until ultimately you know you have Arizona State at the end of the game getting the game winning touchdown going up 41 to 40 and then having to play defense university of arizona gets the ball with about two minutes left they're slowly marching down and they they get josh pollock set up for a game-winning field goal up until this point not only has he boomed every single kickoff through the back of the end zone he's also four for four on field goals and uh he shanks it he goes wide right and arizona state gets to celebrate on the field uh take a knee you had them, you know, embracing Nikhil Harry in tears, Manny Wilkins in tears, um, just jubilation everywhere. And, of course, Chase Lucas getting yelled at by Rob Likens for dancing on the A at midfield uh, after universe, long after University of Arizona had cleared the field. But up until that point, this was a game that – University of Arizona had really put a coaching clinic on it felt like you know University of Arizona is a team that had given up seven touchdown passes the previous week up in Pullman Washington well ASU only had 12 pass completions heading into the fourth quarter they only had 12 pass completions only five more than universe and then Washington State had touchdown passes heading into the fourth quarter so you know there was a lot of frustration on Twitter on mess on the message board on Facebook with you know this just being another slow start game uh, this just being another uh, game where uh, Arizona State seemed to want to just put themselves in a position to hang around so that they could hopefully draft pass at the end for a win and that hasn't been a winning strategy for Arizona State in several of their games and it's caused quite a lot of frustration especially you know it's going to cause a lot of frustration in the Territorial Cup where it's your hated rival and beyond that you are supposed to be the better team with more experience, more talent. And University of Arizona just coming off one of the most embarrassing losses in program history. And so, you know, to see Arizona State not be able to move the ball, you know, Benjamin only had 17 yards on his first 10 carries. Um, I think at halftime, Manny Wilkins was maybe only 8 of 13 passing and had only targeted Nikhil Harry four times. Most of that was late in the second quarter. You know, the, the frustration was palpable because it seemed like it was the same roadmap, the same design for some of the trouble that they had gotten into in previous weeks. The third quarter wasn't much help. Manny Wilkins couldn't connect with anybody in the passing game. He was struggling. Eno Benjamin was starting to get his. Eno Benjamin was starting to run the ball really well, but at the same time, not all facets of Arizona State's offense was working. Coupled with the fact that, you know, anytime that they would do something good or, you know, ASU took a safety, they had to kick off, and that ball almost gets run back for a touchdown. And so... 
Anytime that you have Brandon Reese trying to make multiple tackles in a game, you know you messed up. You know you're in big trouble. And it really just ultimately felt like University of Arizona surrendered the momentum and then surrendered the ball a couple of times to just gift Arizona State this one-point win. The ninth game, by the way, the ninth time that Arizona State University has been in a one-score ball game in 2018. Which, at the end of the game, Herm Edwards says, is not sustainable. Said it's bad for his heart. He had his two daughters in the room, pointed to them, pointed to his heart, and laughed a little bit. But I want to talk about Herm Edwards because, you know, we're, we're still in the first year. There's some dissatisfaction. Uh, we talked a lot on last week's podcast, The Road Home from Eugene, about you know how much you differentiate this year and 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 previous the previous year when you you're entering the territorial cup with the exact same record um and and people made a lot of really great points about how Arizona State is set up for success well today we really got to take a close up look at the Herm Edwards effect on Arizona State University now the Herm Edwards effect may have only been as effective as it was because you know the Herm Edwards uh, and Rob Likens led offense dug them into the hole that they were in in the first place you know you could argue that or you could say that University of Arizona just came out and was better and is better and the coaches are better you know that would be a tough argument for any ASU fan to want to go out on a limb and make and just say that, you know, well, University of Arizona has all this great stuff and these great players and these great coaches and this great stadium, and that's why they took that big lead. Um, but I think, you know, ASU spent some time shooting itself in the foot. Things didn't go as poorly as they could have. You know, Benjamin fumbled, which has never happened before, and ASU got that ball back. Manny Wilkins got strip-sacked, and ASU got that ball back. So it could have been a lot worse, right? But at the same time, Herm Edwards is so even-keeled. This Arizona State University team is so battle-tested from the eight previous one-score games that, to be honest, the offense, when they weren't on the field in that fourth quarter, they were cool, calm, collected. They just looked bored. I was down on the field with the team. Manny Wilkins and Eno Benjamin were sitting on the bench, sitting on the bench back, and they had their feet on the bench seat. And they just looked bored anytime Arizona State's defense was out there trying to get them the ball back. Not a lot of highs, not a lot of lows. You didn't see crazy celebration from the team every time ASU inched closer and closer and closer to stealing that win at the end of the game. They stayed focused. They modeled the behavior that Herm Edwards has been drilling into them all year long. Now, would they would they have had to be in a situation where they had to overcome that much adversity had you know Herm Edwards not been the coach? Um, it's a catch twenty two. It's a conundrum, right? But ultimately, the result is the result. Can't argue with the result. Forty one forty. Arizona State gets the win. University of Arizona gets nothing. No bowl, no bowl practices. And I don't think University of Arizona is too upset about it because some of these uh, crummy bowls that Pac-12 teams would get an opportunity to play in uh, 
uh, actually cut into your ability to recruit before the next dead period. And they cut in the recruiting cuts into your ability to actually have good focused practices with some of your players. So I think Kevin Sumlin's looking out at his team and saying, well, I need to upgrade in a lot of places. They need to go out and they need to take recruiting really seriously and secure as many 2019s and get in the ear of as many 2020s as they possibly can. So the road doesn't end for them here, but Herm Edwards is in the same boat. He wasn't celebrating after the game. He echoed Ray Anderson's sentiments of last year, the sentiments that were that ultimately led to his hiring. You know, ASU wins an exciting 41-40 Territorial Cup, Her, uh, and Herm Edwards is in the media room talking about how he doesn't want to be 7-5, and five, how he doesn't want to be in all these close games, how he doesn't want to be second in a weak Pac-12 South, how he doesn't want to go to a second-tier bowl game. But that's what they're doing. And he said they're going to be hitting the road next week and trying to get some better players in Arizona State, some some guys that are going to ultimately fit the DNA that they're trying to build here. You know, so you don't want your team to have to be resilient because of things that you ultimately cause. Right? Self, uh, a high pain threshold for self-inflicted wounds is sort of a, 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 I mean, it's an interesting trait, but it's ultimately useless, you know? It's impressive when, it's impressive when a baseball player gets beamed by a 99 mile an hour fastball, they wince a little bit and they pace over to first base. You know, that you can say, oh, that guy's tough, you know? But, but if a guy, if a guy, you know, flips his own bat and it hits him in the face and he walks it off, you don't say, oh, what a tough guy. You say, well, that's kind of an idiot. That didn't need to happen. And that, you know, that's the situation I think Arizona State's been in a few times this year is ultimately a lot of the issues that they've had to overcome are self-inflicted. So how much praise do you give this coaching staff for the amount of resilience that Arizona State has. And some people might say plenty because this is a very young team. Not only is it a young team, the offense is being coached by their fourth coordinator in four years. Arizona State had to do this offensively this week without Casey Tucker, who got banged up at University of Washington. And without him, you know, they had some major issues. Stephen Miller had some trouble today on different assignments. He had trouble keeping his head. He drew a few flags. Zach Robertson got his usual false start penalty. But there was also some really good things on this offense. You know, outside of University of Arizona really keying in on Eno Benjamin, you know, I, I think I think what it looked like University of Arizona did was say, hey, we're going to sell out run blitz as often as we can. If that ball doesn't go to Eno, we'll turn our attention to Manny. And if we can force him to get out on the run, you know, he's not going to throw the ball downfield. And he really doesn't. He likes to throw the ball from a pocket. And he did He did one thing today. Manny Wilkins did one thing today that, that showed me a level of maturity um, that I think a lot of Arizona State fans have been waiting a while for, and that was standing in a collapsing pocket, he pump faked a deep ball, held the ball another full second, which gave Brandon Ayuk time to get behind the defense, and then, you know, he sailed a 58-yard touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk, which was very necessary at the time, 
because, you know, University of Arizona had already taken a 10-0 lead and, and ASU was in danger of, 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 you know, going down as many as 17 early in the first quarter. So that was an important throw from from Manny Wilkins. Uh, there were some things today that didn't go very well. Manny Wilkins and Frank Darby are just not on the same page. It's so hit and miss with these two. And 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 part of it is, you know, you look at Frank Darby. I feel like he only runs two or three routes, and he doesn't always do them all that well. And he's not too great at timing the ball when it's in the air. Sometimes it looks like he's overthrown, but it's because he's not legging it out, or he's not laying out for it, or getting his hands outstretched. Sometimes it looks like he's underthrown, but the fact is, you know, he slowed up on the route or he did something within the route uh, to make Manny Wilkins' pass look a little bit goofy. And one of the times he ended up drawing a pass interference penalty, but another time, you know, he wasted what might have ultimately been a, a touchdown catch. So there were some issues with, with Frank Darby today. Nikhil Airy was blanketed in coverage all day long. He had a couple of catches, but ultimately University of Arizona probably played probably played Nikhil Harry as good as anybody has all year long. They really had a great defensive effort when it came to both Nikhil and Eno. They said, we're going to let some other players beat us. And for the first time this year, I felt like you saw Kyle Williams really step up and contribute and look like the Kyle Williams of 2017. Uh, you had a huge play from Tommy Hudson. Not only did he catch his customary one ball, uh, but he also got free in the corner of the end zone for a two-point conversion at the end of the game, which ultimately set Arizona State up to uh, to mathematically put themselves in a position um, to be one score away from tying it up. And of course, ASU ends up kicking a field goal and then getting the ball back and scoring a touchdown to go up 41-40. Uh, but that two-point conversion from Tommy Hudson, that was huge because if he doesn't catch that, then, you know, ASU has to be thinking to themselves with, with not a lot of time left that they're still in a two-possession game. And ultimately, they ended up winning with two possessions. But it wouldn't, it, you know, they won by one, and that was a two-point conversion. So that just shows you how valuable that that Tommy Hudson catch was. Uh, defensively, Arizona State looked a little bit confused at times. Um, dejected because they would get to Khalil Tate and he'd just be able to back up, back up, back up, back up, move laterally, handle the rush, and look down the field at the same time. Sean Poindexter uh, had, a, had a fantastic game. Ellison scored a touchdown as well. Um, you know, they, they have some really, really, really quick players uh, that if they get out in space can cause a whole bunch of trouble. Uh, and, and what a lot of people thought was that this offensive line wasn't going to be in a position to do very much damage to Arizona State's defensive line and linebackers, but they really did. They opened up some great holes for J.J. Taylor um, in in the second half. And I just overall, University of Arizona, if, if you are being objective and you're only taking the first 54 minutes of action into account, you have to be impressed with what University of Arizona was able to do offensively against a defense that has not given up 40 points all year. And to be honest, if University of Arizona was finishing drives and didn't have to kick four field goals, you know, much the same way that that, that University of, uh, that Arizona State had no one to blame at Oregon, couldn't blame the refs, had to blame themselves for having three red zone trips turn into three field goals at Oregon. University of Arizona's got to be in the same boat. They had four field goals, at least a couple of which probably should have been touchdowns. And ultimately, you know, in a game of inches, in a game of just a few points here or there, Arizona 
Arizona State University ends up coming out on top because University of Arizona isn't able to convert on some of these uh, these red zone trips. They end up having to kick field goals. I do feel for Josh Pollock, who had who'd made four field goals, who had been beaten out uh, by another kicker and ultimately earned his job back this year to hit four field goals and then be in a position to win the Territorial Cup and miss. That has to be a lot for that kid to absorb. Hopefully he's not taking too much online abuse or anything of that nature because the truth is University of Arizona was only really in that game because of all the points that were coming off of his leg and because he completely neutralized Arizona State in the return game. I definitely got to give a shout out to Jermaine Lole, who uh, I was 100% sure two games into the season that Lole would be redshirting this year, and we'd ultimately see if he was able to make an impact last year. He is far and away one of the most impactful players on this defense. Might be the MVP by, by the end of the season, by, through the bowl game, if he continues to play the way he's playing, the MVP of the defensive line might be a kid who's not only a true freshman, but didn't even start out the season getting any snaps of any kind. That's how strong of a game he had. A lot of Kyle Soley today, but that was a little bit of a surprise. Kyle Soley had a ton of snaps on defense today. Didn't see any J.J. Uh, Wilson at all, and so you get a lot of Kyle Soley. Um, you get some rotation in there of of uh, Kalen Thomas and, and Darian Butler. Uh, Merlin Robertson, I want to say he had another strong game. He would flush Khalil Tate out of the pocket, but then Khalil Tate is so comfortable out of the pocket that it's almost like the one thing that you depend on creating pressure on the quarterback to ultimately change the outcome of the game had absolutely no effect on Khalil Tate at all. Khalil Tate's just different. And going into this game against Arizona State, and I did pick Arizona State to win. I even got Arizona State's point total correct. I thought it'd be 41-24. Of course, you know, 41-40 is a much different story. Um, But uh, watching Khalil Tate today... Uh, and, and earlier this season, you know, I was worried for Arizona State based simply on the fact that Khalil Tate's so loose all the time. Manny Wilkins seems to be very tightly wound. And there was a lot of pressure on Manny Wilkins. You know, if ASU was facing any pressure at all to go and get this win, it would ultimately be that Manny Wilkins was facing the pressure that he needed to go and get a Territorial Cup in Tucson before his college career is over. So, I mean, let's look at Manny Wilkins' resume. Let's talk a little bit about this. He beat a top-five team at home in Washington. He's got a couple of victories over really strong out-of-conference opponents, including a ranked one in Michigan State, but also beat Texas Tech at home. He beat Oregon for the first time in forever. So an ASU quarterback definitely needs credit for beating Oregon. Got both of the L.A. schools in the same year, which hasn't happened in a really long time. He got a win over Arizona in Tempe, and he got a win over Arizona in Tucson. About the only thing this guy hasn't done is get the bowl. And so I think that that ultimately ends up being a really important thing for him and his legacy. I know I've brought it up multiple times in this podcast already, but I, I, I do think that that's the one thing that he still wants to get under his belt. We'll see if he has Nikhil Harry for that bowl or not. Interesting to think about. If you were Nikhil Harry, what would you do in that situation? You know, I think if Arizona State ends up in a bowl game where they have to play somebody like uh, Virginia, and he, he would get to be on the same field as Bryce Perkins, his former high school teammate, his former ASU teammate, 
I think he would embrace that wholeheartedly. But if they got to play Ding Dong Tech in Las Vegas or San Francisco, I think it's time for Nikhil Harry to start thinking about his future, start thinking about Felna, start thinking about training for that NFL draft, and just do what he can to get himself ready to go make an impact at the next level. I don't think any Sun Devil fan anywhere would begrudge him anything uh, for what he's been able to give to ASU and what he's done for, for this program uh, as a recruit um, and, and as a young man. I'm always the last person off the field. Always spends as much time as he can to make sure that every young boy and girl uh, you know, able-bodied or otherwise young and old fans all have an opportunity to to share in that joy of, uh, of what is Arizona State football. He enjoys playing football. He enjoys the fans. He wants them to have a really positive experience. There's not a lot of people out there that are as service-oriented as, as him. Because he's not, after the game, he's not doing it for the spotlight. He's doing it because those are his favorite moments. Because that's what he remembered when he was a kid, when he would look out at athletes. So I don't think anybody would begrudge him for doing what it takes to take care of his body. At the same time, you know, he's the kind of guy that would definitely make the, an attempt to come back and play. I would not be surprised if, if that was the route that he chose to take. But at least, you know, Arizona State University can say that they are going to a bowl. Um, you know, second in the Pac-12 South after being picked last uh, you know, will the Pac-12 media learn from this experience? Probably not. There are a bunch of people who don't watch each other's teams. A bunch of people on a beat, you know, you got John Wilner, you got a couple of others, you know, at The Athletic who pay attention to more than one school. Uh, but ultimately, you know, people heard Herm Edwards was hired. That's a guy from the TV. Let's take this offense that's returning almost all of its, you know, starters and might even have a better running back than the two they lost uh, to graduation. And let's say that they're going to be the worst team in the Pac-12 South. You know, I always thought that was a little bit silly. I thought that they would finish third. And I somehow nailed the, uh, the, the prediction for the uh, Pac-12 championship. I thought it would be Washington and Utah. Uh, can't, I, I cannot sit here and say that I am uh, as, as uh, my guy Jedi, uh, who, who we got to hang out with before the game today. As my guy Jedi ASU uh, tweets at me, Ralph Stradamus. I can't claim that status when I also did say that uh, I believe that UCLA would be heading to a bowl this year. And as you can see... Uh, that definitely did not happen. Uh, so, so here, here's Arizona State at seven and five with a territorial cup victory, and they have the win over Michigan State. They defended home field honorably for the most part, out of you know outside of the the, the rough game against I think Thursday night game against Stanford, you know, which is one I'm sure that they wish that they could have back because they were knocking on the door of you know potentially scoring a touchdown there at the end of the game, and Stanford's had a pretty weak. Season just came in with a really great game plan on how to stop Eno Benjamin, and they were able to execute that. But you know, the Arizona State is a is a bounce here or there from having a, a nine win season. But at the same time, if you look at it the other way, you know this team could easily be five and seven with losses to Michigan State and lo a, a loss to University of Arizona, which for the entire game is how it felt like it was definitely going to go. And, I, you know, I'm curious. I, I, I want to know how ultimately people feel 
about this season and what ASU was able to accomplish, I don't think that Arizona State, um, I don't think that Arizona State lived up to their potential thus far, but I also think that it is completely fair to say that Arizona State um, isn't necessarily in a position to uh, to say that this was their full season. I think that Herm Edwards is taking a really holistic approach to this and saying that, you know, two, 2018 and 2019 are part of the same long construction process. You know, for most coaches, you give them four or five years to ultimately build their vision, and then you see if you're satisfied with what they're doing after that time period. And, and if you are, you keep them around. And if you're not, you get jettisoned like most Pac-12 coaches do. The shelf life is typically five to six years for any of these guys. But I think that Herm Edwards is really taking sort of a long, steady, slow approach to the coaching staff gelling, uh, getting used to recruiting, um, you know, making sure that, you know, all these freshmen grow week in and week out. You know, he envisions the coach as teachers and motivators and not just, you know, drill sergeants and, and playbook gurus. So, you know, I think that he's taking a multi-year view of ultimately establishing the culture and the DNA that he wants to have in place at Arizona State. It's tough for somebody like me, who is in a position of punditry, to not put Arizona State into boxes out of conference, in conference, Territorial Cup, other rivalry games, just the 2018 season, just recruiting, that you have to have a 10,000 foot view over some of these things that you wanna take a look at up close. Because I think the way, that's the way that Herm Edwards is ultimately looking at it, and that's the way that he'll really be judged. In the end, you need more data. So, you know, we, we, we talked about Manny Wilkins' legacy, and it's crazy that so much of Manny Wilkins' legacy ultimately came down to whether or not they could score 20 points in the fourth quarter of his, of his last Pac-12 game. But it really did. I mean, that's, that's what it came down to. Um, but... But when you do take that 10,000-foot view of what Manny Wilkins has been able to accomplish, you know, there's a lot of people who were disappointed and frustrated with him over the last three years. But you look at what he did, you look at his overall resume, and you have to say, no, that's something, that's something that you can really be proud of. I mean, there's a huge stamp that gets put on it with that Territorial Cup win. But at the same time, you know, at this point, you can kind of step back and say, all right, with a bowl... With a bowl, and considering he had four offensive coordinators in four years, multiple head coaches, you know, I think this guy maximized what you would feel like a three-star recruit out of California would really be able to do, you know, in a conference where you have to take on USC and UCLA and, and you know, big-time programs like Stanford and Washington and Oregon. You could say he was above average. You could say that he was... Uh, a true Sun Devil and, and, and executed when it mattered most. And that's the view you're going to have to probably take on Herm Edwards because if you look at anything within an individual box, you're not going to really be able to square it with what Ray Anderson outlined. Not yet, anyway. So, to wrap it up, Arizona State 41, Arizona 40, Arizona 5 and 7. Um, I don't know if anybody that listens to this podcast wants to hear anything about the health of 
of Arizona or or what they'll be doing from here. But I think that, you know, Kevin Sumlin to me is, is somebody that if, if Arizona was to come out and get 10 wins next year, he'd look for the next best thing. I don't know if he's a fixture in Tucson. But I think he's going to, in the meantime, do what it takes to sell, you know, this five. I think he's going to ask people to look at this five and seven season and say, hey, come here, you'll play. We need to blow this whole thing up. Come be part of Khalil Tate's senior year, and then we're going to get our type of guys, Nolmazoni's type of guys, big six foot six Grant Gunnell. You know, they're working on 2020 Shane Illingworth, who's like 6'5, 230. You know, we're going to get our big quarterbacks in here. We're going to run our offense the way that we like to. You know, we're going to get some more size and some more depth on the offensive and defensive line, which has been an issue for University of Arizona forever. They're going to get more athletic. They're going to get some guys out of Texas to play uh, wide receiver and defense back. They're going to use some of their connections um, from the Texas A&M days to bring some guys out to the desert. You know, but in, in the meantime, you know, no bowl practices, nothing like that. Uh, but I think that University of Arizona, even if they're set up for a bright future, I'm not sure that you can look at Kevin Sumlin and his assistants, talented guys like Demetrius Martin as far as, you know, assistants and recruiters, um, Noel Mazzoni as far as developers of, of, of quarterbacks. You've seen what he did with Khalil Tate this year, and it's just a phenomenal job by Noel Mazzoni, um, who I know Arizona State fans definitely have their frustrations with from his days of just, you know, running bubble screens to the outside uh, and, and, and and mixing some deep balls in. But he did a phenomenal job this year in working with Khalil Tate and reshaping his game and turning him to, into just as dangerous of a passer as he is a runner. You know, I I don't see all of these guys necessarily being uh, fixtures in Tucson unless, you know, unless they come out and it's a slow build, then maybe they'll be around three or four years. But if they come out and they have success right away next year, um, you know, I, I look at this whole staff as someone that could try to go to greener pastures immediately. And at the same time, if they can't get it fixed and you have Khalil Tate as a senior come out, go five and seven and not make a bowl, then, you know, how much patience are they going to have with a guy like Kevin Sumlin when they bring in, you know, at least Rich Rod knew how to score points and get him to a postseason game, right? So, you know, you, you, never, you never really know uh, what somebody's intentions are as a coach. I tend to never believe anything any coach says about anything, and I find that I'm rarely disappointed. But when you look at, when you look at this Arizona team, I think that ASU really put them in a, in a put-up-or-shut-up position. Two years in a row of, of, of not going to a bowl uh, would be a serious, serious issue. And then you look, you look at Arizona State. You know, they're going to have to replace a couple of really important offensive linemen. They're going to have to replace their quarterback. Uh, you know, some of those things are going to be tough, but the, the defense, yeah, what are, uh, let's just assume this defense doesn't get any better at all. And they bring back all the same players and they don't improve. That's still a pretty dang good defense to be able to watch week in and week out. But a lot of guys improve with just the natural progression of having time under weight training, of understanding a playbook more, of having more chemistry, of learning to communicate, of having been in so many of these big game one score situations. You have to assume that this defense is going to come in next year, be bigger, stronger, faster, and more alert. 
So it feels like, and, and it's amazing what one win can do, but it feels like Arizona State's trending up. And feelings aren't always facts, but I think the feelings line up with the facts in this specific case. And then, you know, you have University of Arizona, and they they go into next year with a quarterback who's, for the most part, played 500 football. And while he's an incredible, exciting athlete, you got one year left of him. He was supposed to win a Heisman this year. He's standing on the cover of ESPN, the magazine, you know, ready to, now that he wasn't going to run the triple option, uh, and then they brought in Kevin Sumlin. That this is a guy who embraced the fact that you know he was going to be in 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 Heisman contention. Does he get those same whispers next year after going five and seven this year? Probably not. Can he get along with Noel Mazzoni? Because this is someone different, so with a different style, a different personality than Noel Mazzoni's ever dealt with before. Can they get along for another year? There's a there, there's a lot of questions for this Arizona team, and I look at them and I don't really feel like they're in a very good place. I feel like yeah, I feel like Arizona State University, pending how the quarterback position plays and how they're able to replenish uh, the some of these uh, offensive linemen that will be graduating in the next couple of years, and whether or not John Simon keeps hitting the lottery with some of these running backs they bring in, you know, you're looking at uh, an Arizona State team that has the opportunity, especially with USC being a mess and UCLA being a mess and Colorado being in a time of transition. You have uh, an ASU team that should be able to compete for all of the things that uh, that Ray Anderson outlined. And we'll always have the debates of whether or not they could have been able to get that done under Todd Graham, but ultimately it doesn't matter. Herm Edwards is the coach. He's coached one full season of 7-5 and five football at Arizona State University. Five losses in which, you know, they, they gave up uh, 31 or fewer points in all of them, which is a giant improvement from years past. So I say things are trending up for, for Arizona State. Things are trending, uh, uh, treading water, we'll call it, for University of Arizona. And this Territorial Cup next year, it's going to be a really big deal because it's going to be Khalil Tate's last opportunity to try to get a win. I talked to him before the season, and he wanted everybody to remember remember what the score was when I got hurt in 2017. That's what he wanted Arizona State players and fans to remember. Well, he built up that same kind of lead, but he also helped surrender it. So now he's got to live with that for an entire year. We'll ultimately see how it goes. Mama Mavis, oh, mama, they try my patience. It's gone. Who was left to save us? We mourn. I'm praying for my neighbors. They say the devil's at work and is calling favors. You say I'm dangerous. I speak for the nameless. I fly with the vultures. I be with them bangers. If change don't come, then the change won't come. So after the game, I asked you to tweet me your reaction to the game and said that I would read it on the show. And I got quite a few, so let me just jump right in. Uh, JPOP942, Jonathan, I think I met you yesterday at the, the pregame tailgate, said, ASU played bad and probably is bad, but I'd rather be bad with the Territorial Cup than bad without the Territorial Cup. I mean, that makes sense, right? They, they, they did not play well for most of that game, um, but the result is the result, and you'd much rather have the win. Isaiah Hemingway, uh 
awesome follower on on Twitter. Love to have conversations with him about all different uh, sports, high school, college. He says, it was an amazing show of heart by Arizona State's defense in the fourth quarter. They got the stops they needed uh, to make the plays necessary to get the offense the ball back. Offense executed, too. If this fourth quarter Devils team showed up every week, they'd be 12-0. and On to the next. Uh, Manny Wilkins actually made a comment about that after the game, about just how good Arizona State has been in the fourth quarter, both offensively and defensively this year. And Isaiah's right. If this was... If this fourth quarter Arizona State Sun Devils team was the team that was there from start to finish every single week, then you, you might be hard-pressed to find a loss on this schedule. Jordan Ham, Sports 360 AZ, he was out at the game with us. He said the pre- and post-game interviews were the best they've had all year. Uh, th- yeah, definitely, um, <laughs> definitely much easier to talk to the media uh, when you're not frustrated about not being able to come all the way back. Um, and and a close loss. Jefferson Jones, uh, at 3J485 on Twitter. He said, my first reaction is that I'm frustrated, second, disgust, third, embarrassed, fourth, raised blood pressure, and ultimately jubilation. Immediately talk trash to the family members that are U of Pay fans via social media. Then he tweeted me a picture of the University of Arizona A, uh, but instead it's it's an L in the same font. Uh, let's see, uh, Josh Brewer <laughs> sent, just sent me a meme. It says, I set my DVR to record The Biggest Loser, and it keeps recording U of A football games. At uh, Proud Devil alum on Twitter said, I screamed, cussed, jumped, and slumped throughout the game. At the end, I damn near cried. What a great way to send out these seniors and soon-to-be pros. I can say this has been an amazing Thanksgiving break from work. Thanks, ASU football, for being so freaking great. So, I, and <laughs> I mean, just the change in attitude in Arizona State fans. If you're on the DevilsDigest.com board, if you followed the game thread, I mean, it was just terrible, 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 terrible. And then the last 20 posts were just like, what the heck just happened? Um, pretty stark uh, change in attitude. It's amazing. It's amazing what one or two little things can can do as far as just erasing an entire game of being frustrated. Uh, at BW Devil on Twitter says, I love that they never give up, but I hope they start playing the first three quarters of the game they weigh the, the way they play the fourth. At TW Smith Bud on Twitter says, this team never quits. It's so refreshing to see that. We had a few rough breaks, but we were in every game. The future is bright. And I think that's that. That seems to be a prevailing perspective. Is that a lot of people believe that the way that Arizona State played in these fourth quarters, the way that defense played, is all just a preview of what could come in the future. At Sasso seventy six on Twitter said three quarters of sleepwalking and one epic unforgettable quarter. Mark Ovenlock at Sparky BMXer on Twitter. I'm shocked and excited. Thought U of A had this in the bag. Eno seemed to be the only player from ASU fired up. Love the never give up attitude this team has. Hashtag bear down for what? Now I want to get back to this Eno Benjamin thing really quick because he did get up in the face of Demetrius Flanagan fouls. And at the time, Arizona State was down big. And the reaction from Arizona State fans on Twitter was, you know, keep your head in the game. Don't be classless. Um... You know, we're losing. What are you doing? Uh, even even Chili, who co-hosts this show sometimes, uh, made mention that this is nothing like Keith Poole. Arizona State was, 
you know, was up in that game. Um, but ultimately, I think after the game, everybody's pretty happy about what Eno chose to do and the fact that he was paying respect to Keith Poole. So, again, it's amazing what certain little things can do to change people's attitudes. Uh, at loses 13, Joel Casillas on Twitter says it is after it is after all the giving season, so the Cats gave us one for the holidays. Uh, Rick underscore Carson says, It felt like those games that we gave to U of A during the streak. So nice to be on the other side of an implosion. Good teams position themselves to take advantage of collapses like this. Let's not shy away from the fact that University of Arizona... Definitely gave Arizona State opportunities to ultimately win this game. At the Chris Highland on Twitter says, Amazing comeback, considering we had no right winning this game the way we played most of the game. As Herm once said, though, you play to win the game. Proud the guys never quit, and I think that is reflective of the imprint Herm has put on the program. Go Devils. At Double Devil said, I'm incredibly hyped. Thankful that U of A is the U of A that crapped that away. Even if the kicker makes that at the end, I'm still proud of how the team battled back. Now, that's an interesting proposition. If if Josh Pollock hits that uh, field goal at the end of the game, which maybe gives about 12 seconds left, which probably isn't enough time for Arizona State to respond, um, then you have a 43-41 to University of Arizona win. And I think that at that point, maybe some people obviously... Uh, at Double Devil on Twitter says that he'd, you know, he he'd be proud of the team. But I think, you know, I I think they still have a huge portion that said too little, too late, and were upset and disgusted by the result. But ultimately, the field goal misses, and and the the attitude is, you know, we're incredibly proud of how they battled back. It's amazing how much rests on the leg of the uh, the opposing kicker, which isn't the first time in Territorial Cup history. Crafty underscore Devils on Twitter. Crafty Devils, a great follow if you don't follow them. Um, absolutely unreal. Just so improbable. Lackluster first three quarters, but this team has never given up all season. So frustrating we lost winnable games this year. Special teams awful all season and impacted many games, in my opinion. Uh, I do not disagree. The special teams has been just curious to watch. It seems like they're always experimenting with some new formation or some new way of lining up to punt um a punt is a punt and a kickoff is a kickoff i i don't fully understand everything that goes into trying to perfect or tweak something that has been around since the beginning of football um, but that's what you see from from this team week in and week out, doing little things here and there, experimenting on s- special teams, trying to get some type of advantage, switching in and out um, punt returners, putting guys in motion on punts and things like that. And I, I don't know if that has any impact on the ultimate results, which have not been great, definitely hurt the team against Oregon, definitely hurt the team against University of Arizona. Um, but I, I, I do know that, you know, I see things that I don't see other teams do. 
and I see Arizona State with negative results that I don't see from other teams. So in my head, those things correlate. Maybe they are not correlative, uh, but in my head, I say, I say like, oh, what's this weird, cute formation that Arizona State's trying to do? Then you see them make a mistake, and you say, oh, well, maybe the two are related. Um, and so, yeah, I think special teams has, has definitely been an issue for Arizona State this year. Justin Prestigard on Twitter says, willing to admit that I turned it off when they kicked the field goal and put ASU down 16. Uh, my dad called me when they won. He told me I was a dummy. Uh, your picture of Chase and Nikhil is priceless. Their relationship is authentic. If you follow me on Twitter at Ralph Amsden, I tweeted a picture of Nikhil Harry and Chase Lucas just in embrace after the game and Nikhil in tears. Um, with this potentially being Nikhil Harry's last game, and so uh, definitely a really, really big one for him. Um, and, and, and I got a follow-up question to that. I'm curious about Nikhil. If he's leaving early, when can we expect to hear the news? I think that you, you would probably, you, if, if he, well, first of all, he is leaving early. He's not coming back for his senior year. So, um, if you haven't heard the news yet, just count that as you hearing the news. Um, but I, I, I think you'll maybe hear something, uh, regarding whether or not he's playing in the bowl game when it's determined who, you know, Arizona state might ultimately be matching up with in whatever bowl game they end up getting. Uh, at Versa Tyler TV on Twitter. Also, Ashari Mother Bleeping Crosswell is a baller on this defense. Expect big things from him. I love this tweet because I, I've spent a lot of time this year. I just every week retweet um, uh, an Ashari Crosswell tweet every time he makes a mistake. He, and he's very young and he makes about one or two mistakes per game. But in the last few weeks, he's inching closer and closer to being this defense's MVP with some of the big plays that he's making. Um, they, he's put him in trouble a couple of times, and as he did in, in this last game against the University of Arizona. But ultimately, making that interception at the end of the game puts Arizona State in a position to win. And and all you can ask of a guy is to if if he makes a mistake one play to come back out, keep focused, and get it the next time. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, let's see. And last but not least, at AJShap1 on Twitter, what the F we won, which is a pretty, pretty great way to sum up what just happened. So anyway, my name is Ralph Amsden. I have been the host of the Devil's Junkie podcast uh, for the last few years. We've got a special episode coming up for you in a couple of days with myself and Hode Rubino. So stay tuned for that. That should be released on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, the Pac-12 Championships coming up. That's going to be a game between Utah and Washington. Make sure to tweet me. Let me know who you think is going to be representing the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl and who you think maybe they're going to be going up against. Uh, um, it looks like there's a, a potential for uh, maybe Ohio State to go to the college football playoff. So who knows who the representative that, uh, that the winner of Washington, Utah, might ultimately end up meeting. Support DevilsDigest.com if you can by subscribing. I think uh, if you buy an annual subscription, it comes out to be less than $9 a month, which is an absolutely fantastic deal to be part of that great community. Uh, I'm very thankful for everything they've done for me over the years. And, uh, and that's really all I got for you. So on this uh, on-the-road edition 
of the Devil's Junkie podcast, The Road Back from Tucson. We'd recap the 41-40 Arizona State Territorial Cup win to bring their season win total to seven. Uh, they did have five losses of, of one touchdown or less, and we will ultimately see if they can keep this competitive spirit up as they move on to a bowl, a uh, bowl game in which you will not find University of Arizona, uh, because they're eliminated, which you got to feel pretty good about as a Sun Devil fan. This has been Ralph Amston and the Devil's Junkie Podcast. We'll catch you next time. I was living in a devil town. There was a whole lot of action before the game. We were talking a lot of shit. Uh, I had coaches coming up to me talking crap. And, uh, you know, that's just ignorant. Didn't know it was a devil town. Talk, tra- trash talking on our side. Um, I think that's what they teach them over there is to try to get in the opponent's head and all that, but it's soft as hell, so. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. A losing team. A losing team with a losing <laughs> attitude. That's what, that's what happens. All my friends were vampires. Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire myself in the devil town